Welcome back to the Foul Balls podcast for March 9th, 2018, and much better slate tonight than we had on Thursday. It is 10 games, and there's already a ton of value because we have Anthony Davis is out. Uh, it's funny because the last time Matt and I recorded, we were speculating on Anthony Davis potentially missing the next next game, and he came back and had a monster second half. We're like, okay, Anthony Davis is fine, and then he ended up getting hurt, a completely unrelated injury in the next game, so... A day in the life of rostering Anthony Davis in DFS. Uh, but this should be a really good slate. And jump into it. First game, Chicago Bulls at the Detroit Pistons. From the Bulls side of the game, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday are both expected to play. So that does uh, kind of muddle up their rotation a little bit. Uh, I think in general, guys like Chris Dunn and Zach Levine would be fine plays in this matchup. The issue is just there's so many better value plays on this slate that I'm probably not going to have any interest in rostering any of them by tomorrow night from the Pistons side of the game. Uh, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin have both been priced. Oh, well, Blake Griffin's been priced up a little bit. He's at 8,400. He was like way down like the mid 7,000s for a little bit. Uh, so Blake Griffin is a no for me. Andre Drummond, who I do think is okay. Once again, I just think there's better plays in his price range. Uh, we have Stanley Johnson's questionable. Uh, Luke Kennard started last game. He's at 3,600. If he starts again, I, I guess he's okay. He played 30 minutes last game. So if he's going to play 30-plus minutes at 3,600, then I think that he's okay to roster. That would be contingent on him starting and Stanley Johnson both being out. Uh, but overall, not really a lot to see from this game just because of how many other good spots there are. Yeah, I think it's a pretty easy fade overall, actually, because it, it's all kind of fringe plays that you're talking about. Maybe guys that are slightly underpriced, but nothing too egregious. And there's a ton of really strong pricing value in these other games. So maybe if you're making a lot of lineups, a couple of these guys could make the player pool. But I think we can just move on to the next game. All right, the Atlanta Hawks, the Indiana Pacers, I think that there is a decent amount of blowout risk here. The Hawks are playing really weird guys, weird minutes. They are not playing Dennis Schroeder in a close game. So, I mean, Schroeder at 6,200 earlier in the season, if I saw him in 6,200 in an up-paced matchup, I would think, oh, Schroeder, great play. But it's so hard to roster Schroeder at this point of the season because his minutes from the last few games, 37, 24, 28, it's just kind of all over the place. There is the blowout risk here. And so I kind of think it's a weird situation where if it's a close game, they're probably not going to play Schroeder because they don't want to win. If it's a blowout, they're not going to play Schroeder because it's a blowout. So I I think it's pretty hard to roster anybody from the Hawks right now. They're also playing a million big men right now. John Collins is playing minutes. Mike Muscala is playing minutes. Miles Plumlee is playing minutes. Uh, Deadman's playing minutes. So it's just it's a lot of guys getting floor time uh, from the Pacers side of the game. Uh, what is everybody priced at here? We've got Victor Oladipo, 9,200, uh, Miles Turner, 6,000. Once again, it's just a lot of fair pricing with blowout risk. There's better situations to target. So the line movement in this game is actually pretty strong for stacking purposes. The total is moved from 207.5 up to 210, and the Hawks have moved down from 8.5 point underdogs to 8 point underdogs. And I think the Hawks are maybe a little underrated, but it is a problem that they're playing so many guys I would say on a typical slate, I would be somewhat inclined to play Schroeder and play Oladipo and Collins and sort of do a mini game stack, but there are so many games to choose from and a couple in particular that are just really strong 
So it's, I guess it, this isn't the slate to go with a contrarian stack in a game where everyone's kind of fairly priced. I mean, Schroeder's too cheap, probably, but we really just have a lot of uncertainty with his minutes. Like you said, we, we don't know what the Hawks are going to do with their rotation on a given night. Maybe they just really want to beat the Pacers in this game for some reason, but it would purely be a guess. Um, so I think Oladipo might make a little bit of sense, but there's actually, there are a ton of guys in his price range that are better players. So I, I'm going to say for now that I think I'll have just about zero exposure to this game. All right, next game, the Houston Rockets and the Toronto Raptors. From the Rockets' side of the game, these are pretty cheap prices for James Harden and Chris Paul, especially for Chris Paul, the way it's 7,500. Paul hasn't had big games recently, but there's a lot of safety in him at 7,500, and there is still upside uh, just because you know he only needs 37 fantasy points to hit value. He has scored 45 and 39.75 fantasy points in his last couple games, so even with the production down a little bit, I think this is a bit of a misprice on Chris Paul, who I do prefer to James Harden for the relative prices, but I think both are okay plays. From the Toronto side of the game, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry, 76 and 7,400. Uh, I, I think they're okay safe plays, but neither one are the guys that I'm going to have a lot of exposure to. Yeah, the problem for me with Lowry, DeRozan, and even Paul and Harden, who all seem a little bit underpriced, is just the other plays on this slate. I think Paul, of all of those players, would make the most sense to at least have a little of because I think he's the most underpriced. But I think at most I'll still be pretty light on Chris Paul, and it'll it'll be more clear, I guess, when we get to these better games. And with that said, I don't think I'll end up having any of the Raptors' side. It is a decent game for potential high scoring. The total is at 220.5, and, and it should be a close game. These are two good teams. And the prices are reasonable, but they're just better spots. So I think Chris Paul and then kind of just no one else. All right. The next game here is the Knicks at the Bucks. I think it's fair to say this game has the most blowout risk of any game on the slate because the Knicks have been very, very bad recently. And the Knicks are absolutely trying to lose games to try to up their draft stock. And the Bucks have been playing well. They're also just a lot better than the Knicks in general. So... The Buck side of the game is going to be a fade for me just for the blowout risk. From the Knicks side of the game, I actually like Frank Nielakina a decent amount at 3,600. It is a cheap matchup, but he started in place of Courtney Lee last game. Courtney Lee's been ruled out again, so Nielakina figures to start. And if we're assuming that this is going to be a blowout, which I think there's a pretty high likelihood of, Nielakina is still going to be playing in garbage time. He was a high pick for the Knicks this year. He's going to play a lot of minutes in this game regardless. So the best situation for him is probably going to be a blowout. And 3600 I think that there's upside in that price tag. Yeah, I think Neil Aquino's a good play. And then I still think it's worth considering Jabari Parker. He's still priced under 5000 And the blowout shouldn't affect him too much because I think he's going to play high 20s minutes regardless. And maybe if the game is even semi-close in the fourth quarter, he could see 30 minutes. But Parker at 4900 getting 25 to 30 minutes, there's still a lot of upside for him. It's a good matchup against the Knicks at home. And I don't think he's playing 40 minutes anyway, so it's not like you need overtime or something like that for him to do well. And even if the game were to go to overtime somehow, Parker probably wouldn't even be in the game at that point. So his minutes are kind of just locked into what they are, I think, no matter what the circumstances. And he's too cheap still for a good matchup. Um, there are better plays on this slate at his price, too. 
So I don't think I'll have a lot of him. And kind of same thing with Neil Aquino. But I think it makes sense to have some exposure to both of those guys. All right. Next game. And this is finally one of the really good games on the slate. The Washington Wizards at the New Orleans Pelicans. Anthony Davis out for the Pelicans, which really hurts their defense. And from the Wizards side of the game, Otto. Well, actually, I'll say this. Anthony Davis is doubtful he isn't out. So there is a slight chance he ends up getting upgraded by tomorrow, but it seems unlikely right now. Hence, doubtful, because that's what doubtful means. From the Wizards' side of the game, Otto Porter is questionable with a hip injury. If he isn't able to play, a lot of usage for Bradley Beal, who has a 33% usage rating with both John Wall and Otto Porter off the court this year. Obviously, John Wall's out right now. I think there'd be a lot of value on Markeith Morris and Kelly Oubre if Porter isn't able to play. Uh, Kelly Oubre would probably slot in the starting lineup in his place. From the Pelican side of the game, assuming that we aren't going to have Anthony Davis tomorrow because he is doubtful, there is a ton of value here. Uh, Drew Holiday, massive usage rating on him, so I think that he's okay to pay up for at 8500 uh, Nikola Mirotic should move into the starting lineup. And I figure that he's going to get a lot of looks, uh, a lot of shots for him. And his fantasy production, pretty solid this year, scores about 31.5 fantasy points in 27 minutes per game. 7000 also not all that expensive of a price tag. Uh, Check Diallo and Emeko before. They should also both pick up extra minutes with Anthony Davis out. So I think they're both usable value plays. And then each one more also in play at 4400 uh, Rajon Rondo. Let's see, what were, played back uh, 32 minutes last game after getting benched in the fourth quarter. Uh, I think Rondo's more of a fringe-type play. There's other guys that prefer to roster, and I think that Rondo's going to have a lot of ownership, and I just think there's a lot of downside in him for GPP. Yeah, and there are plenty of choices. Like, you don't need to stack this game. I think it just makes more sense to go really heavy on someone like Miritich, and then Okafor, not so much Okafor, but more Czech Diallo should get a lot of extra minutes. And then I think Rondo and even Drew Holiday just are a little bit overpriced. Holiday's usage will be really high for this game, but it's not a great matchup, and it's not like he's that cheap or anything. Um, the same can kind of be said for Bradley Beal. So I think of Holiday and Beal as more fringe plays, and there are a lot of good values in that tier. Um, the other part with Miritich, he'll be very high-owned for sure. He's probably the biggest direct beneficiary with Davis being out because they kind of play the same position. Um, more rebounding for Meritage without Davis there, and then definitely more usage. What do you think the floor is, or at least a reasonable floor for Meritage in this game? Because he is really inconsistent, so it wouldn't be all that surprising if he put up a dud. I mean, I think the upside is high enough that you kind of have to roster him anyway, but he's nowhere near a safe pick, right? No, the I, I still think he's usable in cash games, though, just because he's going to have to play so many minutes, and the usage rating is going to be high for him. Like, There's nobody... If you look at the players who they're going to have active tomorrow without Davis, and Davis's usage has been so ridiculous lately, there's nobody who's going to take shots other than Drew Holiday and Nikola Miritich. Yeah, like, I think Miritich is usable for cash, too, but I don't think that that necessarily means that he's completely safe. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, I don't really think he's totally safe um, just because he does have some bad games. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I, I think that the the lowest number I could see him having without like getting injured would probably be like 20 points. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like if he shot 20% from the field, I think he'd still take 20 shots or something. 
So it's still it's still going to be an okay fantasy game, probably. The other thing, too, with Miritich's production recently in New Orleans, when he's had bad games, a lot of time it's been because the minutes aren't there for him. Sometimes, and it's weird because this, this was the same issue he had when he was on the Bulls. For whatever reason, there were some times where Hoiberg just wouldn't play Miritich a lot of minutes. And he's kind of run into that with Gentry, too, where the Pelicans trade a first-round pick, and they're like, oh, cool, we could get a Mecca Okafor who hasn't played in four years. So, yeah, we need that and start him over Miritich. So... The issue for Miritich, while the production isn't always great, the bigger issue for his inconsistency is minutes. And it's really hard to see a situation where he doesn't get a lot of minutes tomorrow. And he still does other things outside of score. He gets steals, he gets blocks, he is a decent rebounder. So I'm actually not really sure that the floor is that low for him. Yeah, I don't think it's that low, but I think it might just be a little lower than most people realize. And I'll say... Well, I guess foul trouble is always a concern, and I think he has had some games with foul trouble. But if Otto Porter doesn't play, there's not really anyone difficult for Miritich to have to guard because the Wizards' offense would kind of just be Bradley Beal only. So that I think that would actually help Miritich a little if uh, Porter doesn't play. Just easier defensive matchup. Maybe that means it's just more energy exerted on offense, but also less foul trouble risk. Um, and then it just makes the game more stackable if there's one less guy to take shots on both teams. But if you're not using Miritich in a lineup, I think it does make sense to put someone like Diallo or even Etwan Moore or Drew Holiday. Because um, I think those guys, while they positively correlate for a game stack, they would have some negative correlation there because of foul trouble. Like if Miritich ends up missing some amount of minutes in the game, those other Pelicans guys, there, there really aren't a lot of players left to do anything for them. Um, so I do think this is a slate to have I think for sure at least one Pelicans player in every lineup, but I think maybe even two minimum per lineup is reasonable. It's definitely the team that I'm going to have the most exposure to. There is no doubt about that. Uh, next game on the slate, I think this is another pretty fadable one. The Utah Jazz, the Memphis Grizzlies. The, this is going to be a really slow-paced game. The Grizzlies' minutes are impossible to figure out. Right now they benched Marcus Hull for almost the entire second half of last game. It was a tank situation for them. And then from the Jazz side of the game, once again, just down-paced game, and there's better plays, certainly with more upside on the slate. Yeah, I think so. There's definitely a lot of good plays, and yeah, the, the, this is this is a really bad game. So unless there's some kind of injury situation that pops up, I think it's it's avoidable for sure. All right, next game, the Los Angeles Lakers at the Denver Nuggets. So from the Lakers' side of the game, there have been some really good performances recently, but everybody's kind of starting to get priced up a little bit now. So we have Lonzo Ball up to 7,600, Isaiah Thomas up to 6,100, Kuzma to 64, Brooke Lopez to 52. I, I think all of these guys are kind of okay. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't take issue with anybody rostering any of them, but not primary targets of mine. They're, it, it's, it's just more the price have gone up. It should be an up-paced game. There is extra playing time and usage available with Ingram out, but just other people who I think are stronger plays on the slate, certainly the guys from the Pelicans game. Uh, from the Denver side of the game, I like paying up for Nikola Jokic. It's only 9300 He was really good in his last game against the Cavs. He had been struggling since Paul Millsap entered the starting lineup, but didn't hurt him too much last game. And I, I think eventually Jokic is too good to not figure out how to play next to Millsap. So 9,300 in a plus matchup, I think that he's a very good target. Yeah, I think Jokic is a good target too, but I think it'll be hard to figure out how to navigate the other players that all cost about the same amount as him. 
like Bradley Beal might be a comparable play. I think both of those guys, Jokic and Beal, are better plays than Oladipo, but there are still a couple more that we haven't even mentioned yet that are priced around 9000 I, th- I think having some Jokic makes sense, but I wouldn't have a ton of him because there are other good plays around the same cost. And I do agree with you, there are better plays than the Lakers. I think this is the slate to finally start fading the Lakers because everyone's priced up a little bit, and it's just a really strong slate overall. So they're all fringe plays, and I think on another night, it might make sense to use them a little, like maybe Isaiah Thomas or Randall or even Lonzo Ball still. Kind of just any of them, but they're all basically priced fairly now, so it's it's fine to look elsewhere. All right, next game we have here, the Golden State Warriors at the Portland Trailblazers. I think this is another pretty strong game to target. The prices on Kevin Durant and Steph Curry are kind of just absurdly low. Like, I understand this. The talent of a back-to-back, it's a tough matchup. But still, 8900 for Durant, 9000 for Curry. There are also some rumors that the Warriors could be resting guys for this game, so that would open up even more value. Uh, but Durant, Curry, Green, I all think are pretty good plays just because of how cheap they are. The total is also set at 227.5 right now for this game, which is still a pretty high number. From the Portland side of the game, Damian Lillard, 9,400. I think that he's a good play. CJ McCombs, 6,800. I think he's usable, but I still prefer Lillard of the two of them. The other thing with Lillard also, he's had a number of really good games against the Warriors, and actually he's averaging 41 minutes per game against Golden State this year. So there's definitely a situation where the Trailblazers are playing a marquee matchup against a team like the Warriors, and it's it's a spot where they like to give Damian Lillard more minutes, and I tend to think that also he's somebody who'd have more usage in a spot like this. Yeah, I think Lillard is a strong play because because I guess it's a high-profile game, but also he's a little underpriced for an up-paced game. The Warriors are a little underpriced. I don't think I'll use too much of this game if um, if it's not in a game stack. Although, hold on, I'm watching the Warriors on TV right now, and Steph Curry looks like he may have just gotten hurt. So that'll be something to monitor. Should we just hold on for 10 seconds and see if he's okay? Uh, no, we just carry on. If uh, if something changes, we'll bring it up when we finish the last game. Yeah, I think he is saying... No, we, we, whipped, we whipped so horribly on the situation with, da- with Davis the other night. Yeah, but we weren't even watching that one. We were just following that one on Twitter. Uh, it does look like Curry's staying in the game, but the Warriors called timeout to, I guess, give him more time. So, I don't know. Yeah, if Curry's out, that obviously changes everything. But assuming he's in, I think you can use game stacks of Curry or Durant with Lillard or McCollum. But you, you kind of are guessing which of those players happens to be the one that dominates the ball. And I think all four of them are strong plays. So I think it might just be better to have just very light exposure to them and not game stack and hope for overtime or some crazy scoring game like that. Like this definitely is not a slate to use Lillard and McCollum in the same lineup or Durant and Curry in the same lineup. But I do think it makes sense to have some exposure to all four of those guys. Okay, I do agree with that. I was just looking for more information on Curry. It went to timeout, and uh, they're saying that his ankle is being worked on, and it it looks like there's a chance that he doesn't come back. But we'll we'll see. We have a couple more games to talk about. Maybe we'll have more information by then. Uh, Next game, a lot of value here also. The Orlando Magic at the Sacramento Kings. So from the Magic side of the game, Evan Fournier got hurt. It looks like he's probably going to miss the rest of the regular season. Aaron Gordon was diagnosed with his second concussion of the season, so possibility that he misses the rest of the season. Uh, Nikola Vucevic, really strong guy to pay up for. Also in a really good matchup against the Kings. I love Vucevic. 
There should be more minutes for Jonathan Simmons. There should be a ton of minutes for Mario Hazonia. DJ Augustine is also questionable to play if he's out. Shelvin Mack is a really strong guy. He played 3,800. He would probably be my favorite player to roster under 4,000 on the slate in that situation. And then Jonathan Simmons also just another boost for him because he'd probably have to play the backup point guard minutes. From the Kings side of the game, we have De'Aaron Fox and Willie Cauley-Stein currently both questionable to play. If we go into lock with both of them questionable and we're not sure of their status, then I, I think that this game would probably, well, the Kings side of the game anyway, would, would, would probably just be a situation to avoid. Uh, hard to make too many determinations when we don't know the status of both Fox and Cauley-Stein. Yeah, those are definitely really important updates. But even without the DJ Augustine update, I think the the Magic are still very much in play. Vucevic is a strong target no matter what. Augustine doesn't really impact him. Simmons and Hazonia, I think, are usable regardless. But yeah, they, they get boosts, especially Simmons if Augustine isn't playing. And I don't know if this is that stackable of a game because, yeah, we may not know the Kings injury information before lock and we also never really know who's playing with the for the uh, kings on any given night just random resting all the time basically um and with so much value in the pelicans wizards game it might make sense to just target the best values across the board and not really stack any game so just from a lineup construction standpoint a lot of exposure to the magic and a lot of exposure to the pelicans and then kind of just mix in a lot of the other players we were talking about and final game on the slate, the Cleveland Cavaliers at the L.A. Clippers. This game, 231 point total, the highest on the slate. Uh, LeBron, if you're going way expensive, I think that he is the best guy to pay up for amongst the like Harden, LeBron price players. I think really safe for him. Larry Nance Jr., 7,100, I think just kind of fairly priced now. I think may be usable if you're pairing him with LeBron in a stack, uh, but not really a primary target of mine. Rodney Hood, I think, is usable at 4,600. He started again last game, played over 30 minutes. So I think that he's a good target in what should be a really high pace and fairly competitive game. From the Clippers' side of the game, I, I don't really think there's anybody here that I want a lot of exposure to just because Tobias Harris up to 8,000, DeAndre Jordan 7,900, Lou Williams 8,200. My favorite play from the Clippers is going to be Montrez Harrell at 5,400, who I assume is probably going to end up starting over Wes Johnson this game. He played 31 minutes last game and finished with 40 fantasy points. He's now scored over 30 fantasy points in three of his last four games. It just makes sense that they're going to start playing him at power forward alongside DeAndre Jordan, and he's a really good point for minute producer. If we're going to be seeing 30-plus minutes regularly from Harrell, he's going to be way more expensive than 5,400. Yeah, I agree with you on Harrell. Um, I was sort of just looking at the TV while you were talking because Steph Curry stayed in to shoot two free throws and then immediately came out of the game. He's walking to the locker room. Um, I would say even if he comes back in and resumes this game, which is possible because it is the Spurs and maybe this is just a more important game for the Warriors, they may choose to sit him out against Portland anyway. So in that scenario, Kevin Durant might actually be the best guy to pay up for on the slate. So that, that has a big impact on whether or not we use much of LeBron because I think if Curry's not playing, I would have almost no LeBron because I think both of us would be using a lot of Durant, a lot of Vucevic, and then some... I guess probably less Lillard actually, because Curry does 
impact the over-unders pretty dramatically when he doesn't play. The games are a lot slower pace. So I think the guys to pay up for in that scenario, it would still be LeBron, but I think Durant and Vucevic would be much better plays and then Miritich too. And then you can't really fit LeBron in if you're using all those guys. Um, So I definitely think it would make sense to still have some LeBron exposure, but if Curry doesn't end up playing, then a lot less LeBron. And then, yeah, Rodney Hood is a good play also. I think Larry Nance is fine, but this uh, this Warrior situation could definitely change a lot of what we already talked about. Yeah, it looks, uh, especially with this being the tail end of a back-to-back, if Steph Curry doesn't come back in this game, I think that pretty high likelihood that he doesn't play tomorrow. The Warriors tend to be really cautious with their star players, and they're playing They're playing for a championship this year. They're not playing for the number one seed. So I, I think pretty good chance that Duran ends up being the strongest player on the slate. Also, we, as we said before, he's already way underpriced at 8900 So that is going to wrap up today's podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at GRMBerGFS. Matt's Twitter handle is at Preaching Sense. Hopefully everybody has a good weekend, and we'll be back on Monday.